Hello and welcome to the supplemental episode for your reconsideration, the podcast where we re-examine best picture races and determine if the Academy got it right. And on our supplemental episodes, we take a look at some movies that weren't nominated for best picture, but maybe should have been. I'm Devin. And I'm Kyle. And this week, you know, we were talking about the 75th Academy Awards held in 2003. So we're looking at some some notable films that came out in 2002 that uh, maybe scored some Oscar nominations, but not the big one. But should they have, Kyle? Maybe. Let's find out. The first film we'll be talking about is... Punch Drunk Love, written and directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. You can go to places in the world with pudding. That's the tagline. A socially awkward and volatile small business owner meets the love of his life after being threatened by a gang of scammers. Yep. That's what it's about. Mm -hmm. You want some fun facts about it? Sure do. In writing the elements of the healthy choice frequent flyer miles subplot line, Anderson was inspired by the real life story of David Phillips, who successfully amassed over a million frequent flyer miles with the same scheme. The score to Punch Drunk Love was composed by John Bryan. Rather than scoring the film after rough footage had been shot, Bryan made the compositions while making the film. During the scoring process, he would experiment with tones and sounds, carefully making note of what Anderson would respond to. Anderson himself would create the vocal tempos he would envision in the score and use them on set, even to the extent of inspiring the pace of Sandler's performance. Those are all my facts about it. Oh, neat. Yeah, were they fun? Yes. Do you want to talk about Punch Drunk Love? Of course. Do it. Oh, you meant like me first. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so this is my recommendation, uh, kind of a movie I hadn't seen in many years and I wanted to revisit. Um, and yeah, I mean, from the the great director, Paul Thomas Anderson, comes PTA. his... What? That's a PTA. Comes his uh, Adam Sandler comedy. Um yeah this movie wasn't exactly what i remembered like i remembered like <laughs> bits and pieces of it like uh, his anger you know the pudding scheme um the cinematography I, I honestly i didn't remember the score which was like some of the scenes in here felt like a more recent adam sandler movie mm-hmm. um what is the name of that movie uncut gems thank you uncut gems forgot that for a second uh, where it's just like anxiety ridden, but uh, very much feels accurate for this character who, um, who yeah, is kind of going through some stuff. Uh, he's got like five sisters who just constantly make fun of him. He's a businessman selling, I think, just the handles on plungers or is it the entire plunger? I think it's the entire plunger, but the handles are like are, are novelty. Yes, they're they're decorative and mm-hmm. themed and. And wonderful. It's just honestly, it's like, how do you make an artsy Adam Sandler movie? And then this is the result for sure. Um, we obviously, uh, we get great performances by, I don't know, I must say Emily Mortimer, Emily Watson, mm-hmm. uh, and a fantastic like two-scener uh, by the late, great Philip Seymour Hoffman. <laughs> uh Overall, this is honestly just like a really weird, dark comedy that I honestly find super enjoyable and uh, one of those great early Adam Sandler dramatic turns. So, Very nice. Trying to love. Very nice. Uh, this was my first time seeing it. Um, 
and I say like I appreciate this movie and I agree with the things that you said for sure but I can't say that I enjoyed the process of watching it and I think a lot of that does come down to what you're talking about with the score and just the pacing of it and I think I think the point is to really like put you in the shoes of someone of the character of his anxiety and all of his stresses and all that but just for me as someone who already has anxiety like I just don't need to spend time in a movie like feeling that you know what I mean the way the pacing of it the score of it the like franticness of it just really like was not it wasn't an enjoyable sit for me you know because I was just like uh it literally feels like I'm having an anxiety attack right now and I don't like that so I, I agree with everything you said I think like you know when I like think back on it now without being in the moment of of that feeling yes it's like a cute little romantic comedy with some weird hipstery artsy edges and whatnot but um I can't say I'd ever like want to watch it again for the reasons that I just mentioned <laughs> <laughs> I don't know man I feel like this is one I might want to like revisit more honestly just really? love, yeah I just love the comedy in it I love the tone I love the natural like performances just feels so muted yet so bizarre like I don't even understand the like like the random like color you know, like the mm-hmm. colors they would have in between like scenes. I don't. Yeah. I don't understand what that is, but like I want to. I don't know what it's supposed to mean. I know it like is like part of like an art installation by like some artist. I saw that when I was looking at stuff. Oh. But I don't really know what it's supposed but to why signify. It signify the, the, or in film, the movie. But. Yeah. I don't know. Like I want to pay more attention to where it's placed. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just I really like this. A lot of good. Uh, a lot of good like long tracking shots and just like again, it's like let's make this weird adam sandler movie but let's just make it like an art house adam sandler and i just think it's i don't know i think it was just a fun experiment but i think it actually worked and sure rather it stands the test of time sure but does it uh deserve to be snubbed at the oscars possibly i if i could somehow watch it without without the score i would be interested in watching it again but i honestly (laughs) like cannot handle that let's watch it and Let's watch it with muted and in black and white. There you go. Okay. Maybe I could handle that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I will say, I do think the cinematography in it was really good. There are a lot of like really beautiful shots and especially yeah, when really they're in Hawaii. The colors for yeah. sure. Love it. You want to know what other people thought about it? Sure do. Well, it has a Rotten Tomatoes audience score of 77%. A critic score of 79%. It's a strong C, right? <laughs> and the critics consensus reads... Odd, touching, and unique. Punch Drunk Love is also delightfully funny, utilizing Adam Sandler's comic persona to explore the life of a lonely guy who finds love. Sounds like every Adam Sandler movie, honestly. Besides the odd part. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's been a long time since I've seen like an Adam Sandler movie. Just like a lovable loser. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> finds love. Yeah. Um, at the box office, it made $24.7 million. It was nominated for zero Oscars. But um, PTA did win Best Director at Cannes that year. For this movie? Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, as far as its legacy, it came in at number 33 in the AV Club's top 50 films of the 2000s. A high honor indeed. High praise. <laughs> Speaking of. Yeah. Our next film uh-huh. is Adaptation. Okay. I was waiting. You, you went out of order for me, so I was, I was waiting to see what was next. Did I go out of order? You did, but that's fine. I started with Punch Drunk Love. We were supposed to start with Adaptation. Yeah. 
But it's fine. Dang. <laughs> See, I already did it because I was thinking we watched Fun Drunk Love first. Just the um, pre-air conversation we had. Yep. 30 seconds before Thir- we started Literally, recording. right before we started recording. It's like I ignored you, but I promise you I didn't. I just... I know. Didn't retain. Um, <laughs> adaptation. Uh, directed by Spike Jones, Written by Charlie Kaufman. From the creator of Being John Malkovich comes a story about the creator of Being John Malkovich. <laughs> thought you'd like that cool. a lovelorn scriptwriter grows increasingly desperate in his quest to adapt the book the orchid thief that's a synopsis that's a pretty as good as a synopsis as you're gonna get for this movie mm-hmm. probably you want to know some fun facts about it I should do just mostly just quotes from people okay all right here we go the are you gonna do the impression of them as well uh no okay i don't know what any of them sound like okay (laughs) (laughs) the idea to do a film adaptation of susan orlean's the orchid thief dates back to 1994 fox 2000 purchased the film rights in 1997 eventually selling them to jonathan demi who set the project at columbia pictures charlie kaufman was hired to write the script but struggled with the adaptation and writer's block Kaufman eventually created a script of his experience in adaptation, exaggerating events and creating a fictional twin brother. Kaufman said, quote, the idea of how to write the film didn't come to me until quite late. It was the only idea I had. I liked it and I knew there was no way it would be approved if I pitched it. So I just wrote it and never told people I was writing it. I only told Spike Jones as we were making being John Malkovich and he saw how frustrated I was. Had he said I was crazy, I don't know what I would have done. End quote. He also said, I really thought I was ending my career by turning that in. (laughs) Um, Having been submitted the screenplay for approval, Susan Orlean was strongly opposed to the making of the film. In 2012, she said, reading the screenplay was a complete shock. My first reaction was absolutely not. They had to get my permission and I just said, no, are you kidding? This is going to ruin my career. Very wisely, they didn't really pressure me. They told me that everybody else had agreed and I somehow got emboldened. It was certainly scary to see the movie for the first time. It took a while for me to get over the idea that I had been insane to agree to it, but I love the movie now. Despite the film's fictional parts, Orlean praised its fidelity to the book's spirit, quote, What I admire most is that it's very true to the book's themes of life and obsession. There are also insights into things which are much more subtle in the book about longing and about disappointment. So it's almost like it was a faithful adaptation of her book. Oh, are you done reading? Yeah. Oh, okay. It sounded like you weren't done. It sounded like you had more to say. So, yeah, so what did you think of Adaptation? Well, this was my pick for this episode. <laughs> what is this thing called again? What are we doing? What is that? <laughs> is it a radio cast? <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is my pick because I've never seen it and I've always wanted to see it. And uh, I did not really know what I was getting myself into. I didn't really know the premise at all going into it. I don't know why I want to see it because I literally didn't know what it was about, but I did. <laughs> so um, I uh, loved it so much. I think it is genuinely a masterpiece. I think that it is so many movies obviously are about writers because, you know, writers write them. But I feel like this is literally the only movie I've ever seen that actually like captures the writing process in a way that you like there's no one ever attempted to do it's just like so brilliant there's so many little things there's so many it's just genius in my opinion it's like 100 percent genius and Nicolas Cage is amazing 
Do you want me to say more? Is that it? That's all you gotta say about it? I mean, I don't what know. Make, what What's something that really kind of like rang true with you? Well, I just think, I just think his anxiety about writing it. Yeah. And just like, you know, like <laughs> there's so many like writing, you know, how to's and guides where they're just like, if you can't write, just like sit at your, sit at your computer and just write whatever yeah. comes into your head, just like free flow. Yeah. And it felt so much like it was just that, like he was just writing about how he could not write. Yeah. If, yeah. It felt like the, these are the notes or the, the yeah. scrap pages you would set aside because you were just, just writing for an hour. Mm-hmm. And then there's also like this moment where there's, you know, like this, this extreme tonal shift in what's been happening. And then you like realize this because at that point he's getting his brother who is a more, uh, commercially driven writer to help him with the script and so suddenly it's taken this turn where there's you know car chases and guns and like <laughs> this crazy like turn it's just so it's so smart and genius and it's yeah. annoying that he's done no one else can do this again you know what i mean you can't ever someone hires you to adapt a yeah. book you can't ever be like i can't do it so here's this instead no, you know you're right you're right you can't <laughs> Because you'll never match it. You'll never no. do it different enough. You'll never, for sure. It's weird when there's something like that. It's just like everything else can be copied, remixed, whatever. Right. You really, like, you can't, I don't know how you would do this again. It's just genius. I mean, I've, I feel like I spent, like, the first hour just being like, I have no idea what's happening. Like, I don't yeah. understand. But you did. I did, though. Like, I did understand. It was just that, like, I couldn't see where it was going. And then I was just like, oh. I see what it's been the whole time. <laughs> yeah. And I loved it. God, I'm so glad. This was a this was a revisit for me. And I mean, I don't know from the writer's perspective, but I just think it's like, just I think it's just absolutely genius. I actually like, I think like visually it's like the most boring Spike Jones movie to me, which is interesting. But like, who, who cares? The directing is like almost invisible because the writing is doing all the work. And that's, yeah. and that's probably the intention. Um, but yeah, I just like, oh, I love so many little things like the going back to the John Malkovich set because mm-hmm. that that's happening. Well, it's just so tied in there and I don't know. I'm also glad like Spike wasn't in it. Like it just didn't, it never like crossed a barrier, I guess. You know what I mean? That's true. I didn't even think about that. No. And we never got like too intimate with any of the characters, you know, with John Malkovich or John Cusack or, you know, Catherine, um, Keener. It, they just kind of existed in the background and let the let these sto- these characters tell the story but it's just oh my god and also so many like good just little cameos like so many good just couple sceners like tilda swinton yeah um but it's truly just hilarious and a perfect example of a movie where nick when people make fun of nick cage you'd be like well have you seen adaptation right we've seen leaving las vegas like you know it's just he's truly like I don't know, to be appreciated here, and I'm living for it. And honestly, for 2002 or whatever, like, I, I don't know how they did the scenes where they're together messing around. I, it's, it's beyond me. It, like, blows my mind. Didn't They used uh, his bro- so I don't brother care. or cousin as like, a stand I believe. It looked like they're, they're definitely just both Something there. Something Coppola was there. <laughs> sure. I can guess, like, Peter Jackson was making it look like there was hobbits and giants next to each other. So That's true. That was the I same get, year. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, get, I guess effects were better than I remember. <laughs> um but yeah i mean how did not enjoy this movie it's impossible like i can get people being like annoyed with it or whatever but like for like fans of movies like that's just it if you like movies yeah i'm just saying some people don't then don't watch movies then don't you're right read a book go read 
Like they the don't or- like movies. Like they the orca like thief. That's all you have to say? Adaptation. You still like it? Oh, yeah. For sure. Agreed. Yeah. You know what other people thought about it? Yes. It has a Rotten Tomatoes audience score of 85%, a critic score of 91%, and the critic's consensus reads, Dizzyingly original, the loopy, multi-layered adaptation is both funny and thought-provoking. I agree with the critics. Yeah. Um, the bo- box office, I made $32.8 million. It was nominated for four Oscars, and it won one for Supporting Actor for Chris Cooper. It also won Best Adapted Screenplay at the BAFTAs that year. Um, as far as its legacy, a British Film Institute poll ranked it one of the 30 best films of the 2000s. In a 2005 survey, the Writers Guild of America named it the 77th best movie screenplay ever written. Wow. Which, I mean, that's honestly impressive in that, like, this movie came out in 2002, and in 2005, they were already like, yeah, yes, this, this is, is on one of the list. best screenplays that yeah. was ever written. But it didn't win the Oscar that year, huh? No, it did not. You want to know what did win for Best Original Screenplay? Yeah. Let's talk about our next movie. No shit? Yeah. Really? Wait, that's all your fun facts for this movie? Yeah, I already Nothing did about that. him, like, the Oscars and, like, the one award thing. That fun stuff. Oh yeah, I didn't include that. Do you want me to tell that story? Yeah. Uh, f- when they were nominated for best screenplay, both Charlie Kaufman and um, his fictional brother, his fictional brother, what's his name? Donald. Donald Kaufman were both nominated, but they said that they would have to share the award should they yeah. win. So that's a good story. That's a very fun fact. I'm what? Sorry. I'm, next season, I'm taking over fun facts. <laughs> okay. Not really, by the way. <laughs> All right, so what did win Best Screenplay then was... Why are we waiting? Why can't you finish the sentence? Oh, because you've been doing it. I didn't know you wanted me to do it. I have it. Wait. Oh, no. Okay, there it is. No, I got it. Okay. Uh, What? People, their listeners are just on the edge of their seat. I know, I know, I know. So our mutual choice was Talk to Her. Written and directed by Pedro Almodovar. Two men share an odd friendship while they care for two women who are both in deep comas. Does there's no a, there's no tagline for that. Not even in Spanish? No. <laughs> not that I saw. Um, okay. Do you have any fun, fun facts? Yeah. I don't have many. Um, here's a fact with no follow-up information, which makes it annoying. But it says that the character of Benigno is based on Pedro Mondelvar's close friend, Roberto Benigni, the director. Oh, no. Yeah, and I'm, if I ba- was Roberto Benigni, based be like, on to what degree? Please don't tell people that. <laughs> but, okay. <laughs> um, uh, did we talk about that? Like, I mean, yeah, it's been 20 years. I have one more quick fact before we get into the plot points of that movie. Okay. Uh, Despite winning the BAFTA and Golden Globe for Best Foreign Language Film, uh, Talk to Her was not chosen as Spain's submission for the Oscars. No shit? Yeah. What was? I don't know. know. It didn't even get a nomination, whatever they submitted. So it was like Merchants of something. I don't know. But the screenplay could still get... Could still get... Yeah. He was nominated for Best Director and it was nominated for Best Screenplay. Best Director and Best Screenplay. Mm -hmm. Wow. Interesting. So... 
talk to her, Devin. Go ahead. I, w- I started on adaptation, so you can start on this I one. I know. I should have not done You should have planned that better. I should have planned this a little bit better. Hmm. So what we have here is a very interesting uh, movie. Uh, a ride of emotions and uh, thoughts. <laughs> To be fair, we also just finished this like an hour ago. Yeah, we haven't had a lot of time to process it. There's a lot, and there's let me tell you, there's a lot to process here. Okay, um, I feel that everything was made with the best of intentions, with uh, uh, probably regards to challenge the audience, both yes. emotionally and thoughtfully, engage them. Um. But man, there's there's some feelings. There's some feelings there that. Uh... All right, I'm gonna jump in here first. Thank second. you. Please. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm like str- drowning over here. Now, have you seen any other Almodovar movies? I have not, Devin. I have not either. And so I was just kind of looking up like some Blind stuff about him, you know, as a director, like sure. the themes and stuff that he, sure. he goes to a lot. I mean, I do know that stuff. So. Yeah, and I think that like what I found is like he does like to do like um, I think that he described. No, how did they describe it? I think it's like melodrama, but I think he's like, he likes to take those like really like over the top dramatic situations and use them within like a more realistic feeling narrative. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. there's a lot, I mean, there's, there's people in comas in this movie, so it's very like yeah. melodramatic, yes, you know, like soap opera, soap opera. Yes, exactly. So I think if you're looking or, at oh. it from just that lens, I kind of see, like, I think he was going along that soap opera route. And there's funny parts and there's serious parts. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of, I don't know. It takes like a turn into some dark, dark things. And so I, my, my real question about it right now, like I'm literally like processing this out loud right now, but yeah, like, yeah. is that like, I don't know what the intention was exactly with, mm-hmm. with that character. Benigno, is that how you say it? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It felt like while watching it that it was supposed to be engendering like sympathy towards him, which I don't think is the correct tact. So I don't know if that is really what the intention was or if it was really just about taking these, you know, melodramatic tropes and kind of like seeing them out to their actual like logical conclusion. Mm-hmm. And you're not supposed to f- care about him. Mm. I don't know. No, I don't think that was. The it felt like thing. we were supposed to feel sorry for him, right? No. Oh. I don't think I got that. Like, I don't think that we were supposed to feel sorry for him. But I think the problem is, is that like, I don't want to use the word psychopath, but like that is what he's referred to at some point. Mm-hmm. I think the fact is, like, they do go through some. You know, like there's shit. Shit happens to everybody, right? Even if you're a psychopath, you're not a psychopath, right? Mm-hmm. So I think like kind of laying it out, all, like laying it all out there from beginning to end, us watching kind of like his story, we're making judgments the entire time. Doesn't change the fact that Pedro, like as a as a director, isn't putting anything on screen for you to like hate him or edit it in a way that he's like, you know what I mean, like bad or whatever. He's just like letting that story. Why are you looking at me like that? Well, I was just, there were some aspects that made me hate him. Well, no, but I mean like his story is what makes you hate him. What happens is what makes you hate him. But I'm saying like 
Pedro like uh, is just letting that play out for us to make up the thing. You know what I mean? He's not letting his like camera or his like score or his music depict our emotions and how we're supposed to feel towards somebody. I guess, but when you look at a narrative like that, where like those two men are the two protagonists, and their friendship is really what's like kind of at yes. the heart of it. Yeah. And the and the other character is continuing to defend him and continuing to support him and continuing to like mm-hmm. help him. Mm-hmm. That to me is making a, a choice as a director and like how we, they he wanted the story to be told. You know what I mean? Sure. Or was it just that that like people even when there's like bad people you read like a blurb about in the newspaper doesn't mean they everybody abandoned their like love or care for that person i mean yeah i understand that you know and like that's what i feel like i mean really like okay so again i feel dumb like hopefully there's other people out there who also haven't seen a lot of pedro almodovar movies but like the one thing like i know about him is that he like tends to blend like genders and sexuality and all that stuff mm-hmm. and, and all that stuff. So like in a movie where like women are almost like an afterthought of this movie, they're, mm, they, they literally te- cannot they speak. tend to like be, <laughs> not be able to speak or, you know, defend themselves or tell their stories <laughs> for any sort of concern. These yeah. men have what is unfortunately, I guess I would call like very feminine, feminine qualities where they're like on screen and they're crying and they're talking about their honest emotions and they're like, well, sharing and tra- they're also Spanish. <laughs> I can say, uh, sure. As an, an Italian woman, I've seen a lot of Italian men cry a lot, so I don't, All it's right. not as weird in that part of the country. I, I guess, I guess maybe, but I, I mean, I found it interesting. Like, I found mm-hmm. it like they weren't just being like, I don't know. No, I get what you're saying because, like, and definitely with that character, like when I was when we were first introduced to him, like you know, a lot of the other characters in the film kind of assume that he's gay and i assumed that yeah, too when we sure. first were introduced to him mm-hmm. so i do think there's that sort of uh that's going on too as well but again it's just like yeah it's just like another way to be like now we're questioning who's he lying to about his sexuality and and you know what i mean like is he lying to his, his nurse friend or is he lying to the psychiatrist you know like mm-hmm. he's lying to someone about his 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 sexuality um but yeah, well, but, not, not but it's interesting because it's not shown. Just one thing or the other, too. You know what no, I mean? No, no, I right, right, right. And I think almost that's his point too. But like again, the camera, like what we're what what Pedro uh, is choosing to show us is not one or the other, mm-hmm. which I love. It's just through conversations and the dialogue that we're getting to know anything about this character, and then eventually, like a creepy kind of story he tells, where we actually do see and just like. It's told in such a it's it's shown in such a normal way, and like with such a tone that's like normal and kind of sweet. But what we're seeing is like kind of fucked up. And I'm talking about the initial like stalking stuff. Like, yeah, that's when I really I was like, oh my god. But (laughs) but but I think that's so great too to like it's being told normally as if it's just any other kind of flashback where you're getting information. But like we're being forced to be like okay, like you know what I mean. You got to like. Mm-hmm. I, it subverts your expectations because you're introduced to him like he's the lead of the movie you know he's the yeah, protagonist yeah, yeah. he's this likable guy who's you know cares about his job and is you know mm-hmm. dedicated to what he does and then we find out more about him and you're right it is just kind of laid out as like oh, he's just telling about how he met this girl and it's no big deal mm-hmm. and whatever but it's like horrifying but yeah you're like <laughs> what you're hearing is not horrifying what you're seeing is very uncomfortable 
Yeah, especially given where he's at now. But it, <laughs> in the and, story. and that just like brought me back to like listening to people's stories and like just thinking in in the end, like, are we ever getting the whole truth when someone tells a story? Sure. You know, like <laughs> I don't know. I just thought it was like kind of like I don't know, man. I honestly just like really want to watch this movie again. Really? Like not right now. Like I mean, not, yeah. I'm not trying to like back to back right now, but I think there's a lot to process here. I do. I found it very interesting, very unsettling to mm-hmm. some degrees, obviously, but like so invigorate. Like, that's not the right word, but like I was just so engaged the mm-hmm. entire time. I was so engaged, and I really liked that feeling. I really, I really liked going down this messy, melodramatic like thing, and it's just like I don't know. It, it felt. Maybe I like soap operas. Like I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to think. Like maybe I'm a soap opera guy, and I've just never, maybe. I've never given it, given it the proper, the proper try. But I think this, this summer, movie, check them out. Yeah, <laughs> but I do think there is an absolute beauty to this movie. I think it's challenging. I think it's engaging. Um, and damn, did I laugh honestly several? Yeah, it times. was like really funny. There was some great dialogue in this movie. Some great moments. Um, mm-hmm. that just and, and again, the fact that Benino, like Benigno, like. That like this movie's about two women in a coma, and then he tries to one last ditch effort to try to like reunite with his love and go into a coma, and he even fucks that up. And it's just like spoil it. I know that's not like <laughs> funny, but it is funny to me. Yeah. I don't know. It is funny. Like he spends his whole life is like I don't know taking care of the people in coma, but like I don't know. He just <laughs> he doesn't. Coma is such a weird thing. And he just yeah, I think it. it's a hard thing to aim it's, for. Yeah, it's honestly, to so. aim for. Everything he's aiming for is wrong, honestly. So it's just another thing to add to his list. But anyway. Yeah, I I'll mean, I talking. found it interesting. And obviously it has given me a lot to think about and I'm still kind of processing it. I don't know that I would want to watch it again, but I am interested to watch more movies by Pedro Montalvar. So there's that. <laughs> You're doing a lot of visual things today, as if this I feel like they was feel being it. filmed. They feel it. <laughs> they, yeah, feel. they feel your silence, for they sure. I guarantee silence. that. They know what it means. <laughs> All right. Do we have anything else to say about no. Talk to Her? I would really recommend it. Hable con That's ella. what I'll say. That's the Spanish. I would really recommend this movie. Okay. Well, it has a Rotten Tomatoes audience score of 93%, a critic score of 91%. The critics' consensus reads... Uh, another masterful, compassionate work from Pedro Almodovar. So, not really a consensus, in my opinion, but okay. Yeah. And the box office made $64.8 million. It was nominated for two Oscars and one for Best Original Screenplay. And as I said, it also won the BAFTA and Golden Globe for Best Foreign Language Film. As far as its legacy, in 2005, Time Magazine film critics Richard Corliss and Richard Scheichel included Talk to Her in their list of the all-time 100 greatest movies. Paul Schrader also placed the film at number 46 on his canon of the 60 greatest films. In a 2016 BBC poll, critics voted the film the 28th greatest since 2000. Wow. Which is a very specific list. For sure. Um, so, yeah. So, those were our supplementals that we watched. Um, I do have to say something. Yeah. I feel like it's we didn't really address that there is rape in, the, in Talk to Her. Yeah. When you were recommending to people, I would say there's a content warning. Yeah. I, mean, yeah, I, so. I, did, I did after like, no, I, I realized that's something maybe we should address. And I think there's a lot to unpack there. But yes, there is certainly a rape in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, 
um, un- unlike some, un- unlike several modern movies, not depicted on screen in uh, no. in a violent way or anything like that. But um, but still, it exists. But it's still so, it's, it's so still disturbing. Like yes, for sure. There's nothing not disturbing about it. Yeah. Uh, similar thing uh, tackled in like the first ten minutes of Kill Bill. So uh, really, throw that out there. Yes. So it's probably more graphically shown in Kill Bill, I would imagine. Yes, it is, of course. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, I'm glad that we, I'm glad we added that. Um, so those were our supplementals. Do you mm-hmm. think any of these movies should have taken the place of ones that were nominated? Let me remind you of what was nominated this year. <laughs> <laughs> remind the listeners. You don't need it, obviously, but our yeah, listeners yeah, might yeah. be. Uh, so the nominees were The Pianist, The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, The Hours, Gangs of New York, and the winner was Chicago. I mean, like, I really did enjoy Punch Drunk Love. Am I mad that it's not an Oscar contender? No. Like, was it nom- – or was it, it, it didn't get any nominations, did it? Mm-mm. You know, um, I think cinematography could have stood for – even director, honestly, has a fighting chance, in my opinion. But Best Picture – I actually understand it not being up there. Now, I I also think the hour shouldn't be up there, so maybe you could easily swap those. Um, obviously, I would throw adaptation into that mix, um, but I'm also very happy with like the talk to her writing and directing nods. So mm-hmm. yes, and I will say to um, Pedro Almodovar getting nominated for best director that was the he was the only person nominated for best director then wasn't nominated for best picture okay he okay. stole peter jackson's spot oh okay gotcha so so peter jackson wasn't nominated for best director for this no okay but he wins next year so it's fine spoiler alert <laughs> uh okay so you would put adaptation in instead of the hours is that what you're saying i think yeah saying? i think that's okay. an easy swap for me um, I agree with, I definitely do think that Adaptation deserved a Best Picture nomination. But I also, like, I do think this is hard. I think all these movies are pretty good that were nominated. The Hours? Yeah. I, I Didn't did. we kind of shit on The Hours? We did. Was but, like, so I feel like ago? the more I think about it, the more I, like, appreciate what no, it did. No, 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 no take backs. No, this, it already exists on the internet. It's forever there. All right. I mean, that's fair. <laughs> well, honestly, I'm, I'm also kidding. completely fine. As much as I think The Pianist is a good movie, I don't like rewarding pedophiles. So I'd be completely fine with knocking that out of contention for Best Picture and putting that. And instead there. putting Talk to Her in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no? No? Okay. No, I would put Adaptation <laughs> in there. Okay. But I'm still 100% on board with Chicago winning. Oh, yeah. No one's regardless. No one's fighting that. No one's fighting that. So, yeah, that's where we come down. What about you guys? This isn't interactive. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but you can say it if you want right now. Yeah. Well, get, hold on. Go. Oh, good point. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, that was our episode. Um, come back next week. It is our season finale. Woo-woo. We're talking about the 19... 19- <laughs> Talking about the 1973 Oscars, so we'll see you then. Does that sound like fireworks? Yeah, it did. Cool. All right. Bye.